0: You're listening to Girls Gone Wad. This is episode 286. This episode is an interview with Chrissy King, fitness blogger, personal trainer, coach, amazing writer, amazing writer, if I haven't said that already. We met Chrissy on Instagram, and I feel like we meet a lot of our fitness friends on social media these days, but just really drawn to her work and especially what she is doing to talk a lot about intersectional feminism and intersectional fitness. And she does a workshop. She's starting a workshop on uh, diversity and inclusivity in the fitness space. Please check out her articles. Um, It's amazing. So hopefully you'll enjoy this episode. We want to keep this conversation going. Please send your feedback to girlsgonewad at gmail.com. And please leave a review on iTunes. And thank you so much for supporting the podcast we hope you're liking these additional episodes, and here's the interview with Chrissy King. <laughs> I hope you're ready. Well, I was um, kind of i was kind of joking with myself because I was like, well, why don't I just start with a very light question of like, what the heck is going on in social media? <laughs>
1: <What>? <laughs> oh yeah, let's, let's, let's just <laughs>
0: like, what the heck is going on? So, so, I mean, I kind of joke with that, but like Claire and I talk about this all the time of like, what is going on in social media and how we perceive bodies and how we perceive females and how, I mean, all of it. So I'm going to be very open-ended and annoying, but I would like you to run with that question.
1: Um, Social media is really, really interesting. So I, um, it's like I have mixed feelings about it because I love social media for a lot of reasons. Like I have met the coolest people that I now consider like really close friends um, through social media. Like, so I think there's a lot of benefits to it. I think there's a lot of negative sides to it as well. Um, I think for sure, like, one part of it is that, um, like, so much of what we see on social media is curated, Mm -hmm. um, which is just so funny because, like, the word Instagram, like, it was originally started because it was, like, you know, instant thing. Like, you post something's happening and you post about it. And, like, now, like, very seldom do I think people post things that are actually as they're happening. Like, maybe on Insta stories, but, like, the pictures that you're posting on your feed and the captions are all Oh, my gosh. That's such a good
0: point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. like there's nothing instant about Instagram at all. Um, And I just think, you know, it gives people a lot of like false ideas about what life is supposed to be like or what their life should be like. And I think that it's so easy to fall into the comparison drop when you're on Instagram, right? Because, again, we're looking at people's highlight reels and it's so easy to compare your everyday, your worst to someone's highlights, recognizing that what people put on their feed is not really representative of what their everyday look like, life looks like, at least for most of us. I mean, even for myself, like, you know, again, if you saw me right now, I do not look like any of the pictures that are on my Instagram feed. And very rarely am I showing just like the mundane day-to-day things because they're not that interesting, right? Um, so I just think we have to always keep that in, in perspective when it comes to social media. Yeah,
0: and it's kind of like that we want our lives to kind of look so pretty and have this aesthetic. Now I was listening to you on another interview to talk a lot about representation and how we, we kind of are, we are who we follow. You know how they talk about how um, I just had this aha moment when I was listening to you speak um, on another show of when we are following a very limited population I almost feel like it's kind of the new you are who you hang out with. Does that make sense? No, like that
1: makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like you're limited, your your views are limited by who you're following. So I know a lot of the discussion that I want to have with you on this podcast, too, and we'll get to it is diversity on social media, diversity in fitness. And I just find that it's so when you were talking about that, like, we're just, there's just a, a lot of white, blonde women in the fitness realm. And if we're following the majority of that as our feed, then what are we, what are we exposing ourselves to? And what are we doing? Yes. Yeah, How so is that I mean, shaping our view?
1: Yeah, I think you're, you're right. Um, and I think like, so the great part about social media is that like, even if you live in an area that is very homogenous, right? Like social media gives you the opportunity to like connect with all different types of people, but it also has to be intentional, right? Like, You actually have to go maybe out of like the norm for who you follow or who your friends are to get exposure to different kinds of people. Um, so I always think that's one thing that we have to think is like a great thing about social media that like, you do have that opportunity, but you have to be intentional about it. Like it, it requires that you're like, okay, I want to be following or like learning from or getting different perspectives from people that are not like mine, like that don't think exactly the same as me. And I think sometimes like people get lost in this idea that like, I don't want to follow people because I don't agree with that or I don't agree with this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so important to like, listen to different perspectives, because, again, there's, like, this power, like, if everyone that you're following thinks and looks just like you, like, you get, like, stuck in this thing, like, this group thing, yes, thing right? Yes, yes. And you're, even like, allowing for other perspectives. Because I think there is, like, yeah, there's tons of people that I may, like, follow on social media or wherever that I don't necessarily agree with everything they say, but they say things that make me think about things in a different way and a different perspective than I ever considered for myself, Um, So it is really important. And I do think it it requires that you be intentional about it.
0: Yeah, I think the intention is really because as you were talking, I'm thinking like, yeah, there's times when I'm kind of like, I kind of look through the feed. And I'm like, this is just really, it's all starting to look the same. And it gets really annoying. So you seek things out, and you try to, you know, find new people to follow, um, influence your life. But is it is it sometimes like people don't do that? Because it's, is it a challenge? Like, I don't know what the answer is to kind of like seek out. Um, is it people just being comfortable with like looking at people who look like them?
1: Yeah, I think there's probably like a lot of things that go into it. Um, I think for one, like I I think in general, people do tend to feel more comfortable around what's familiar for them. Um, so I think that's part of it. And I also think that there's another aspect that like when you start thinking about things in a different perspective, or you start like thinking um, just like really like deep diving into like your values or like your upbringing, like sometimes there's discomfort there. Right. Because like maybe you uncover something about yourself or somebody says something online or whatever that brings something to your attention or that like you get that immediate, like, Oh, I don't like the way that I feel when I think about that Mm -hmm, because like maybe it's true for you. Right. So I think there's a level of discomfort that comes with like unlearning your own biases. Um, and sometimes like when we have that discomfort, like it's easy to just like, eh, I don't want to deal with that. I'm just going to withdraw.
0: You're absolutely right. That's exactly right. And, and the other thing too is like, okay, so I think a lot I'm speaking for myself too, is like, we're afraid to have conversations or I'm afraid to have conversations because I don't want to say the wrong thing. I also know that we have to have these conversations because we have to make mistakes and learn, and it's like then that whole you know know better, you do better. If you're having a conversation, you're like, oh, I was totally off on this. Okay, so now I know. I think there's times when we don't want to make mistakes or we don't want to say the wrong thing, but it's like we're all doing that, aren't we?
1: Like we're all yeah. putting
0: ourselves out there to learn and to yeah. to be better.
1: Yes, I 100% agree with you. So, like uh, whenever I'm having like if I'm doing a seminar somewhere or I'm like talking or like teaching on like diversity inclusion or any of like intersectional feminism, any of those things, yeah. I always start the conversation is that we all mess up. Right. And like, if you don't engage in a conversation because you're concerned that you might misstep, like you'll never be able to have the conversation because it's always the work in progress. Like yes. I'm learning every single day. Like I tell people all the time, I'm far from the expert. I mess up all the time. I say things all the time. I'm like, Whoa, that was wrong. Like that was a problem. Right. I like constantly self-correcting and I still make mistakes Mm -hmm. all the time that I have to just own up to them and take responsibility for it. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to work on that and I'm going to try to get better. And like, again, so many of the things that, because I think another thing comes up is people like, it seems so overwhelming, like all these things that I have to think about and all these things I have to consider. And I always just try to remind people that like, it's just like you, you, learn as you, you learn things as you go and you work on them and you practice them and you get better at them. Like for me, example, like I'm really um, not great with my language around gender. And I am like, because again, I've like been conditioned to use very gendered language. So mm-hmm. I'm always doing it. Like, even though I'm like trying to work on it, I'm still doing it. That's just part of the process, right? That you are going to like continually be finding new things and new and, and covering new things about yourself even. Um, and you will absolutely mess up. And that's okay. Like messing up is totally part of the process. Right.
0: And I I just love that you're, you're kind of putting that out there too, because it's just so easy to kind of stay silent, which again, I I feel like we skipped a million steps in this conversation, but you're a beautiful writer and you wrote a beautiful blog post and you all of your writing is really wonderful. Um, Last year, just kind of being like, if you're silent, you're being a part of the problem. So not sharing these things and not um, being vocal and you know sharing my posts or sharing posts that are really important to you is, is you're being a part of the problem and um, I think that's something to that we all need to take very seriously with all the issues going on in the world um, where Claire and I will often get you know criticized for like oh we're, you're not a political podcast we don't want to come here for politics we want to come here because you guys are funny it's like and we're humans and there's a lot going on in the world that we have opinions about.
1: Yes. And we're allowed to be multifaceted individuals, yeah. right? I'm allowed to have fun and yeah. talk about things that matter, right? Because all those things can be done. Like you don't have to be just one thing. And and going back to your other point, um, that like silence literally uh, it maintains a status quo, right? Because if everyone remains silent on things that are happening, nobody's speaking truth to power and – and all of a sudden, we realize we end up in this place and we're like, how did we get here? And it's like, well, everybody was just silent and things just kept going mm-hmm. in the direction they were going in. Um, and so, like, and I also always try to remind people that, uh, you know, saying, like, I don't want to, like, I get it. Politics can be, especially in the current climate, it can feel really exhausting. It can feel very overwhelming. Um, but one thing I always try to, like, again, go back to is like perspective, right? for a lot of people in this country right now, like politics is a matter of like their personal safety. Um, and so it's much easier for, if you're not being affected by it, it's much easier to say like, I don't really want to talk about that. Yes. If it was, a, if it was affecting your personal safety or your your health or your any, whatever, you would be much more invested in the conversation. Um, and so again, that comes with understanding the, that concept called privilege, which people get very um, like, you know, worked up about that word sometimes. Um, But what I always try to tell people is privilege doesn't mean that you didn't work hard. It doesn't mean that you haven't had a hard life. It just means that there are some things that you don't have to struggle with because, because of the way the world is set up. And so you have to acknowledge that if you have the freedom to not think about certain things because it's not affecting you on a daily basis, that is a level of privilege. And, and also all of us... Ex- all of us experience privilege in some way, shape, or form in our lives. So when
0: you say people, I'm just curious of what you experience of what people are saying to you on your, on your platforms. And when you say people get worked up, when you talk about privilege, what are they saying?
1: Yeah. I mean, particularly when you say the word white in front of privilege, (laughs) that's what I'm actually referring to. And when we talk about white privilege, um, people get very defensive about that. And, And again, I think it's because people misunderstand the word privilege and a lot of the, like the feedback that I get when I talk about concepts like white privilege are like, no, you don't understand. I had a hard life. I didn't have everything given to me. I had this and the other. And it's like, no, I understand that. Like you, you pro- those things are absolutely very true for you. But also because of the way the world is set up because because you're because you're white like there are things that you don't have to worry about in the world every day mm-hmm. that you don't have to face and there's inherent privileges that come with being white in this country and also it's really important to acknowledge that that doesn't mean that you did anything wrong right like y- you didn't develop that system you aren't directly responsible for that but you still benefit from it regardless if you want to or not like it's there and you do benefit from it
2: one of the best ways i've i've heard it described just for myself like in one line is I'm not saying you're like white privilege doesn't mean your life hasn't been hard but it hasn't been hard because you're white yes yes and exactly. it's like just so cl- you know clear and cut cl- where it's like listen to exactly what you said I think that is the many people's need your reaction of like well if you think if you're telling me that I have white privilege you're telling me my life has just been a like a cakewalk which I like the phrase cakewalk is even has like roots in slavery so I like a hesitate to even use that but you know it's like been it's just been this super easy thing all the time. And it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, that you didn't have an abusive family or that you didn't go through poverty or whatever. I'm saying that those things didn't happen to you at a disproportionate rate because of your whiteness. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yes. And I think, but I, I totally, I, I mean, I have this like similar conversations with my husband about male privilege. And he also, you know, he's very open-minded about it, but it's, you can tell his knee-jerk reaction or any men at all, it's a similar kind of thing where it's like, well, you you know, I didn't do anything to have this. It's Like, no, just because you didn't do anything to have it though, doesn't mean that you aren't benefiting from it. And I think that's also been something that's been helpful to me when I try to have that conversation with other people is to turn it around and be like, okay, well, if you're a female, do you see how men benefit from male privilege? Like, well, yeah, of course I do. Okay. Well, that's the same exact thing. You're not blaming them as an individual for there's no blame, doesn't have to be any blame assigned. It's not the same thing. It's just saying, Hey, this is, this exists. I need you to acknowledge it. And I need you to look outside of yourself and see how you can use it to bring other people with you basically. Yes.
1: that was like, so well said. And also like such a great point. Like for women, people see, well, this is the same thing as, like, male privilege, right? And people sometimes, like, it's weird because it's, like, the same thing. But, like, if you don't phrase it to them that way, it's sometimes they have a hard time seeing how this is exactly the same situation. Um, yeah, so I, I love everything that you just said. Thank you for sharing that.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, and it's – I think it's hard, too, like, with Joy and I. I mean, frankly, we are two white women in the fitness space. Like, you know, we are part of the problem in a way that it's, like, we – you know, have definitely been guilty of not, you know, not going out of our way or not even not going out of our way, but just not even having our eyes opened to that, you know, to the, the side of like, there's a lot of other groups out there who are not well represented in this space or other spaces. And, you know, we, while fitness, yes, is a male dominated space, the women in the fitness space are definitely disproportionately white. It's like, what can we do, to say okay we're looking around and we talked about this a couple weeks ago like if you look around the room and everybody looks like you that's a problem so what can you do about it so I'm curious and I know that this is a big part of your platform and a big part of what you talk about but what are some of the things that you've seen that have been successful or you know just some of the things that you wish you could like shake people you know like joy and i frankly um or you know the people around you and be like how are you not seeing this here's what you could be doing
1: yes i think you like hit on a really big one right like that all the time i always think like yes how could you not be seeing this is like like you just said if you look across the room and everyone looks just like you that's a problem right um or if everybody in your circle and your professional circle looks just like you that's a problem and um and again like i think The one thing I think is hard for people um, is because like in this country, like whiteness is in a lot of ways the default. Um, And so it's hard, I think, for people to like recognize while they're in it that like, yeah, everybody can't look just like like us. Right. Like for a person like myself, I have been in like so many like in the corporate world and in college and like so many places where I was like one of the only So I know what it feels like to be othered. I know what it feels like to be um, like not feel welcome in spaces. And I think if you've never been on that end of things, it can be really easy to not see how that feels or to not even recognize when it's happening. I was at, a restaurant with um my husband and a friend of his and his wife and she was like can i and we'd been like eating and talking for a while and she's like can i ask you a question i was like sure she's like did you notice that you guys are the only black people in here and i'm like oh i notice that every time i go somewhere and it's like that like it's like wow i never i never thought about that till you guys were sitting here with us having dinner and so i think again when something is not affecting you personally it's so easy to just like not notice it yep so yep, sure. i think we people have to make a serious effort to like, for one, the first step is awareness, like, oh, this is a problem. I need to recognize like that the lack of representation and diversity and inclusion in any industry, fitness or otherwise, is a problem, one. And then two, like, I think it's really important to like, stop and decide how are you going to intentionally take steps to change that because I think it does need to be an intentional thing because even when you recognize something, I think it's so easy to just be like, Oh, I I realize the problem. And then like life happens and you just kind of move on. Right? So I think it takes an intentional effort from people. Um, and I think people who are planning events, I think people who are like, um, like running organizations, for example, like it's really important to like, not just only invite people to your events that are going to be from diverse backgrounds, but like also hire people from diverse backgrounds. Because when you're planning an event, if it's a panel of all white cisgender people planning the event, their perspective is not such that they even recognize that perhaps the content does not resonate with people from different backgrounds. So it has to be uh, a step further than just like, you know. I need to have more people represented here. There need to be people in the organization working from diverse backgrounds as well.
0: Yeah, to bring yeah to bring that in. And I know you that you are starting to teach us. Is it a course of uh, diversity and inclusion in the fitness space? Yes, correct. Yeah. Do you want to? Can you just kind of gloss over what you're doing? Or I don't know. I don't want to give anything away for people who are going to do it. But I'd love to hear more about that.
1: Yes. So, um, actually, I just I'm doing um like a one-on-one. It's a diversity inclusion one-on-one. It's a live webinar. So it's only like a two and a half hour webinar. So clearly, like you know, there's so many levels to this. So there's and, no way and that plug that, it really
0: like, quick so people know where to find it if they want to find more. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. Um, so it will be. You can go to my website chrissyking dot um, and it'll be under programs, um, and it'll be available as a replay that you can that you can purchase and grab. Um, so it's a two and a half hour webinar, um, and it will just be like the basics, the beginning, and a lot of things that um, that just give you some baseline understanding of things like for one, like the difference between diversity and inclusion, because people use those words interchangeably um, and they're really different. Um, And just like different types of like what intersectional feminism and how intersectionality applies to fitness, what that term even means, how we can apply it um, and different identities that we need to like intersecting identities. And just so you have like a working knowledge of some of those things. Um, And again, like there's so much to learn when it comes to all of this stuff. So it's just to give you like a baseline of knowledge. And then there's a ton of resources um, uh, and a guide that I provide you as well so that you can do more research on your own and continue learning at your own on your own time and go deep into these topics as you want to go.
0: I also want to talk a little bit about how you're you're big on kind of holistic mental health and wellness, but more specifically too how it applies to people of color, how you're like. You know, Again, I've heard you speak about this, of how exhausting it is to kind of navigate the world, um, being a person of color in the world, in the state of, th- of the world that it is right now, and how you find that so important. And I agree with you that it is something to take into consideration when you're working with a client um, or when you're coaching a client. So can you talk some more about that?
1: It is. Like I... I- Part of the course that I'm gonna be on the live webinar talking a little bit about, um, there's like actual studies that show people who are like victims of racism and discrimination have higher levels of high blood pressure, higher rates of breast cancer, higher stress hormones, higher rates of heart disease. Um, because racism actually has an effect, a physical effect on your body. Um, so you know, and besides the fact that it's just like mentally exhausting and draining, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so, and it's traumatic in a lot of ways, and especially like again, this is the part of social media that I don't always enjoy. Um, is because I think awareness is important, but like watching videos of like Black Death repeatedly is traumatic, um, and so a lot of those videos that are going around Facebook and are going around Instagram. Those are hard to watch, right? And so uh, that's another thing to always keep in mind when you're sharing stuff is like if you're going to share something on in an Insta story that could be potentially traumatic for someone, like before you actually post it, do uh, like an Insta story. If you're doing an Insta story, say a trigger warning on the next, you know, on the next slide so that people or the next video so people have the option to not watch that if they don't want to. Um, so anyways, that's an aside. But the point is, yeah, it's really, really exhausting and it's really uh, mentally draining um, and it is really hard. It's really, really difficult. So I think um, when it comes to like holistic health, like we have to acknowledge that like it goes beyond just exercise and nutrition, right? Um, And that people are suffering, like even if you don't necessarily understand it, and I don't expect people um, to totally get like how that feels, but just to recognize and empathize that people are in pain regardless if they're like coming and telling you every day or not, like they're affected by it. Um, And so it's really important to like uh, to recognize that and to be able again, like if someone does want to have a conversation with you about it, just to hold space for people. Like you don't have to know the right Mm -hmm. words to say. You don't even need to say anything. Sometimes you can just listen. Um, And, and also just, I I think it's just so important to recognize that like we can't, because sometimes in fitness, like I've seen a lot of, a lot of times in fitness where people, Make comments like you know I just want to focus on the positive or like, you know whatever love and light and like all those kind of concepts without recognizing that people are experiencing real trauma and that it is not possible for everyone to always be in that place um, and that we have to really acknowledge that. Um, and I think for important thing for I stress with all of my clients like people of color or not is that like self care is really really important um, and especially in like the current political climate and then all the things that are happening in this country like. Self care is so, so important that we are finding ways to nourish ourselves, that we are going to therapy if we need to go to therapy, if we are, you know, phoning a friend, whatever it is, we need to make sure that we're prioritizing ourselves so that we can continue to thrive.
0: Yeah, and I think the self care piece is a really important thing to bring up too. But before I get to that, I also want to just add. That being, I, I'm really in depth reading Brene Brown's work right now in her recent book, Dare to Lead, talks so much about, you know, sometimes if you're even the Pollyanna in the group, and you're trying to be positive, that actually can be very dismissive. If you're not just looking at problems to say, okay, now I'm willing to fix this, as opposed to just being like, it's fine, we're going to get through it, you know, so that can be a method of being very dismissive and not validating people's feelings and problems. Um So I get sometimes with people being like, "Yeah, it's all good. You know, we we can get through this." But I also really believe in kind of like stating the problem and being like, "Yeah, this is really hard."
1: Yes, yes, that's exactly it, right? And like you, like it's dismissive in a way, and also racist people's experience um, because if they're having a really hard time right now, saying like, "Oh, we're gonna get through this," while I understand the intent, it's not always like the most helpful thing, right? And that also like goes to conversation of like intent versus impact. Like I'm sure when people are saying things like that, their, their intent is great. They have great intentions, but the impact is that people feel dismissed or people feel erased or like you don't understand their pain. Um, So I think that's really important. Yeah.
0: So, okay. So self-care, this is another big piece of what that looks like and how it really is kind of marketed as like, oh, go get your nails done or your hair done or your whatever. Like sometimes it costs a lot of money and sometimes, you know, there's all these kind of, again, it looks like. Instagram curated, oh, we're just going to go to Hawaii for a week or, you know, whatever the case may be. Oh, this is my self-care. And I just don't think that that is a good reflection either of how everyone can experience self-care.
1: Yes, I 100% agree. Like so many things I feel like in the fitness industry become like a commodity. Um, Self-care is kind of one of those things. Well, yeah, like, I think it'd be great if every if I could go or anybody, like, could go to the spa every weekend to feel rejuvenated. That would be amazing. Right. But, like, most of us probably can't do that every weekend. Um, so, And I don't think that self-care needs to be expensive. I don't think it has to be something elaborate. Um, it doesn't have to be an a moment, right? <laughs> like, self-care. Like, for me, example, like, sometimes when I'm really exhausted, like, I just want to read a fiction book. <laughs> I'm just that's all i want to do and so that's not um like anything glamorous per se it's definitely not like an instagrammable moment um but it also doesn't cost a lot because i go to the library sometimes time to rent to, to like um get fiction books and so sometimes it's just like taking a nap if you're tired or going for a walk um i think there's so many ways that we can do self-care in inexpensive ways it doesn't have to be something um that requires a lot of time or effort and a lot of things i don't even think about sometimes i don't have children but like also if you have kids like going to a weekend at a spa or whatever may require not, you have to find a babysitter, or all these other things. Um, and it just doesn't have to be uh, anything that's out of the ordinary. And in, I love vacations. Don't get me wrong. Like, so when you have time and you can go on a vacation, do it. But self care on the day to day can just be taking 15 minutes to do meditation or ten five five deep breaths. Like it can be so many small things that we can incorporate in our day every day. Um, And I just encourage people to try to find some small way every day to take care of yourself. Because otherwise, like, again, you get to this place where you're like waiting to do this big self-care thing and you burn yourself out in the process.
0: And Claire and I have had a lot of discussions about how uh, self-care sometimes is like contained to like this one day or I'm going to do self-care on the weekends when it really should be an ongoing thing, a daily practice. And it doesn't have to be this grand gesture. It can be like you said, really small moments of just taking care of yourself, whatever that looks like for you. I also want to talk about, I feel like I'm jumping all over the place, but I also want to talk about perfectionism. And this is kind of something Claire and I actually recently talked about as just being perfect and trying to be perfect in the world. I know that you have kind of been through... The spectrum with uh, diets and exercise, kind of, you know, a lot of women have gone through this, where you like want to get really lean and you want to do everything right and you want to eat very clean. Um, where are you at now, and how have you evolved with that relationship?
1: Yes, I am the most imperfect I've been in a very long time, and Yay, yeah, yeah.
0: it's so great. It's just
1: a very <laughs> long time to get there, though. Um, but yeah. So right now, where I am is literally like um, how a lot of work projects going on right now. A lot of things have just been taken a priority. Um, to the gym and that would have made me feel really bad in the past like really guilty or I would have just I would have not like um prioritized things in the way I'm doing them now because I needed to get to the gym I had to so like honestly I can say the last month I have probably worked out like three times a week um probably a couple times even twice um and I feel really great like I feel really good um and and I think too, giving myself uh, the flexibility around even my training program. So I'm a powerlifter, but I'm not following any strict powerlifting program right now. That also would have stressed me out a long time ago. Like, am I losing my strength and all these things? And now I'm just like, no, I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna do what feels good. I'm gonna move my body. Um, and, and, and it's okay. And then also in terms of like nutrition, I am just um, eating like what feels good. I mean, I think... I don't track anything at this point in my life. Um, and there's some principles that I always follow. Like I try to make sure I'm getting my protein and I try to eat in a way that makes me feel healthy and nourished, whatever that means for me, but I don't have any strict and hard fast rules that I'm following. Um, but again, this was like so different from when I was just like probably four years ago, um, where I was tracking like every day, not like, I did not miss a day of tracking, didn't miss workouts. I would like cancel social plans or like do anything I had to do to make sure I got my workouts in um and even like I was so strict with my tracking that I would go like on vacation for the weekend or something and I'd take all my food with me for the weekend um which I did it then in the name of like no I'm tracking this is like this is flexible dieting well clearly that was like the most inflexible oh my
0: god I know I've totally done that but
1: I name a flexible dieting yeah and, and so like, I was really, really rigid about all of my habits, um, and very, like I, I was definitely a lot leaner, um, but also so unhappy and just like really miserable in a lot of ways. Um, and so now I feel great. Like, yeah, I'm just really I'm happy. I, I think that I will definitely come a time where I'm like more committed to, um, like following a, a more powerlifting type of program when I'm going to like, you know, compete again. But for right now, I'm just kind of doing what feels good. And I feel really great about it.
0: It's quite a journey, isn't it? Like, I feel like Claire and I've talked about this ad nauseum on the podcast, but it just never gets old of like, we're constantly trying to improve that relationship with diet and exercise, because it's just been ingrained in us since we were so young.
2: I love what you said about, you know, like, just this is at the time, flexible dieting, you know, that seemed like it was, it was working. And then like, when you took a step back. I was like, no, actually that's a lot more restricted than I want to feel. This is what feels good to me now. And it just it ebbs and flows the different seasons of your life. It doesn't, there doesn't have to be a one. And there not only does there not have to be, there isn't like one answer for your whole life of like, yep, this is going to work forever. Okay, great. Found the answer. Bye.
1: Yeah. I think that's really important too. And like, I, and again, like so back to the flexible dieting and like tracking macros, I'm not anti-tracking macros at all. And I think like, you know, when I'm getting ready for my next meet and I, I don't even know what I weigh right now, but like I will have to weigh in for me. Like there might, maybe I need to lose like seven or eight pounds. I will probably go back to tracking when I'm doing that. Um, so right. It's really important to acknowledge that like, there's not like one thing forever for most people. Like you can, things are fluid and you can change and you can go back to things and you can adjust, you can try new things. Um, that's just part of like autonomy in our bodies.
0: Do you still in the, in the clients that you're coaching now, do you still see that a lot? Is that kind of like I bet you when people, when you give people a program or advice about meals, they just want to take it and run with it and do it to a T.
1: Yes and no. I do most of my coaching, um, like a habits-based approach. I do have some clients that track macros because that's what they want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think that a lot of people who come to me, like kind of know me through social media. So they know that like, I'm not really hardcore about anything. (laughs) So I I think that a lot of my clients that come to me um, are, are interested in like getting stronger, perhaps losing some body weight, but they also just want to feel good in their body. They want to look good. They want to change the relationship with their body image, which is something I work on a lot of clients. Um, So I kind of think they come to me for different things. Um, So I think I deal with that less now than I did before. That's
0: good. That's refreshing to hear.
1: I'm
0: really turning in the right direction. So I want to switch gears a little bit too, because I want to take it back to some of your your blog posts. And um, I found it really interesting that when you you mentioned on another show too that, like, after some of the blog posts you wrote, you'd like write it and then run away and turn off social media for a while, (laughs) because you're like, I'm just gonna lob this here. And I'm just gonna go away. What is that reaction like for you? Like, what does that come from? What are you thinking in those moments?
1: Yeah, the first time I did it was definitely because so my journey with like, blogging and writing was that uh, when I first got into fitness, I was uh, I was really writing about things as like, what I think I should be writing about. Um, so I didn't talk about anything that was even remotely that anybody would think would be controversial, right? Like I was really careful to stay away from that. Um, and a lot of that has to do with like my own narrative growing up, uh, and the narrative of like, you know, an angry black woman and just like wanting to steer clear of me, anybody ever thinking that about me. Um, but also I was like living two different lives in the sense that like, I was like one person online and offline. I was like having all these different conversations. But I was, like, really scared to share any of that. So I just came to this point where, like, I got fed up with myself. I'm, like, I just, I'm tired of, I'm tired of this. So I, I decided that, like, I was just going to go all in and talk about the things that were important to me, talk about my experience as a woman of color, and just, like, it is what it is. Like, if people don't like it, cool. If people do like it, cool. It doesn't really matter. Um, but but it still was hard for me. So I wrote this first blog um, that was called, Is Fitness Only for Thin White Women? And, like, that's the first, like piece I wrote that I was like so scared to write so I like really had written this blog and like just never published it because I was like nervous to publish it like it was like 75% done I just was like scared to publish it and I was talking to um one of like one of my coaches at the time Jill Coleman and I was telling her about it and she's like for the love of God if you don't just post this blog
0: (laughs) I'm gonna come over and do it for you (laughs)
1: like, I'm going to do it for you if you don't just do it. So I finally, it was the day I was still working. Um, and my I, I used to work a full-time job. And I was still working. And I was traveling that day, driving at that. So I couldn't be on the phone. So I was like, OK, I'm just going to post it. And then I'm going to be away from the internet anyway. So no one, like no matter what happens, I can't even check in. And it was like, tear. I, I feel like I was shaking when I posted it. And then I was just like, OK, now I'm done. Turn the internet off and let it go. Um, And then I, I came back like four hours later. And there was like, So many comments, so many people had DM'd me and I was like, wow, like, I think I wrote about something that people cared about. That's cool. Um, and I mean, you know, at any time, like all the time, I still get a lot of negative feedback from people about stuff that I write. Um, but that's also part, like you just expect that to happen. But it was, uh, and there's still moments I post things I get scared about. Like, even though I did, like, some hard things, I still have moments. I'm like, ooh, did I take it to, like, people are people going to be offended? Like, did I say this okay? And, like, I think we always have those moments. But what I do find is that when I'm most scared to post something or, like, when something is, like, most I'm, like, terrified to do it, that means, like, I that's the thing I have to do. Um, and I've, like, really followed that. And it's always, it's really been rang true for me from my own personal experiences. Uh, so it's still scary. And I think that that's the other thing, like, one of the things I learned from strength training that really helped me now is that like hard things are possible. Like we can do hard things. Um, and I kind of like just like believe that in all areas of my life.
2: I can do hard things. is like one yeah. of my favorite mantras, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but I, I love that. And I think, that that is something that keeps people from talking about the issues that are important to them and talking about hard issues, whether it be, you know, when we think about talking about racism and talking about feminism and, you know, those are very dirty words, especially in social media, like you don't want to stir the pot. And so when you step into a space and say, not only am I, you know, not afraid to stir the pot, in fact, I'm here to stir the pot. It's like, I think that's that fear of am I going to offend someone is, you know, am I going to say the wrong thing? It keeps so many people from even going there. Um, and so it's kind of refreshing to hear that that <laughs> still happens to you as well. Of Like, no, even, even though you now have been doing this for a while and you, um, even have kind of, you know, how the reputation is as, as the girl who does that, it still can be a little like freak you out a little bit.
1: Oh, 100%. And I think, you know, maybe that's something I should talk about more because I think, uh, like any, like, I I don't know anybody who actually never, I I think there's this idea that like, Oh, like so-and-so like not necessarily me, but this person, they're just fearless. And like, I actually don't think that's true about anybody. Like, I think everybody has fear around the things that they do. And like, you just do them in spite of the fear. Um, and it never, I think at any like level of anything that you're doing, right. Whether it's like, like in the, like in your business or and whatever, like every new level has like a new level of like, I don't know, that feels really scary. I feel I'm, I'm fearful. I feel like whatever that always, you always are going to face that always, um, always, 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 always.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite sayings too, is feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. And mm-hmm. also the visual of standing at the top of a, like a high dive and just like looking down, it's never going to get, you know, any less fearful, but like staring at the pool from the top of a high dive, you just have to go and deal with the fear after you jump, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And in your case, you just like shut off the phone and got on a flight. And then you're like, well, I guess I don't,
1: I don't have to deal with this right now. Absolutely. Um, And even now, like, you know, and especially I think it's important to remember, uh, like with like social media and all these things that like, even when you're doing great things. And I'm not even talking about myself. I'm talking about anybody. When you're doing great things, there are always going to be people who don't like it regardless. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're never anyone happy for one. And secondly, like the thing, the dynamic about the internet is that people will say things behind like a keyboard that they would never say in person. Um, and I was at a book signing for this woman who wrote this book. She's a black woman. And she was just talking about, um, like the more visibility she got online, like the harsher the comments got about her. And people can be really, really cruel behind the comfort of like a computer screen. Um, And so you just have to acknowledge that even like, even if you're doing the the most amazing work, someone is going to troll you. And like, you just have to let it roll off your back because otherwise, like you'll get down and out about that stuff. Um, and then you'll feel like you'll be more scared next time because you don't want people to say these negative things and just recognize it's a reflection of them, not of, of anything you're doing It's their issue.
0: So I also like what you've talked about. Um, I don't know. I keep referencing the other shows you've done, but I just love what you said about getting calling in versus calling out. And so, um, can you explain to listeners what you mean about that? Like when you call people in or call people out?
1: So calling someone in is the process of like having a conversation with someone one-on-one, not in a public forum. So for example, if someone says something racist or bigoted on their Instagram, for example, the process of calling in is like, I think that maybe we can have a conversation to resolve this issue. So I'm going to come to you and approach you one-on-one and I'm not going to talk about this publicly and hopefully we can get some kind of resolution. Um, And I'm a really big fan of calling people in when there is a capacity for change um, and that like, perhaps we can like reach common ground or like, maybe it's like an, a, an awareness thing or like an education thing. Like I'm a huge fan of calling people in. Um, and then I think there's people that we just have to call out, which means like, you're going to just talk about what they did publicly. Um, like for example, Donald Trump, like, I can't imagine a situation in which I ever think calling him in would be helpful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he's just a person that you just call out. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I think And I think that like, you know, calling in or calling out whichever one you choose to do in the situation is completely up to you. But I think like, if you think there's a capacity for change, like if you think we can reach a common ground, I always encourage people to call in first, because again, like when you call someone out on social media, then they get defensive. Right. And so like the, the chance that, and they probably dig their heels in. So the chance that we're going to like, you know, have some reconciliation is definitely lower. Um, but also calling people out, like calling companies out that are, have bad work practices or that are doing like Victoria's Secret was getting called out a lot this week because they're transphobic. Like those things are great. Like call those people out, Mm -hmm. um, and put pressure on them to be accountable because accountability is a very real thing. And I think it serves a lot of purpose. Um, but I think with individuals, I always think like if we have, if we can call in first, let's try that first. But that's just my opinion again.
0: No, it's, it's, I mean, it's opening a conversation to say, let's see where you're at with this. And if you're willing to talk to me about this and learn more, more as opposed to coming at it from like this attack mode, where obviously with anything that's not going to ha- open up a good dialogue or conversation, right? So your approach is like welcoming and positive, um, can you give an example of, I guess, something on social media that you've had to call someone in or have you, has it, you know, when you've had a good calling in moment?
1: Yeah, I can. Yes, I can talk about when I had a really good, I've had. And so the other thing I should say is that calling in, unfortunately, does not always work. I've had a lot of calling, calling in situations. that
0: turns into calling out.
1: <laughs> yeah, turning in gone wrong, um, where I thought like, oh, this is going to be great. We're gonna have this great conversation. Yeah, and It did not go that way. So there, that is a thing that will happen. But I had a really great calling in moment um, with someone on social media recently um, about a shirt they were wearing. um, And it was with a a word that the word savage, which um, is like a really prevalent word in fitness, but it's also like a really problematic word. Um, And so anyways, I know this this woman well enough to know that like, I think I could probably just talk to her about it. Um, And I did. And she was like, Oh my God, thank you for bringing that to my attention. She's like, you know, like there's always things like I, I, here I was like not even recognizing the context, the historical perspective of that word, all those things. She's like, thanks for letting me know. And then like, even to make that, uh, to go a step further, she did like an Insta story to be like, Hey, I did, I was wearing the shirt and it's actually really problematic. So I apologize to anyone I offended. And now I know I'll do better next time. Mm -hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. it's just that simple. Right. Um, and it worked and it went really well. So I, and she really appreciated the fact that I like came to her separately in a dm and was like hey can we chat about this
0: and then the ones that go bad you're just kind of like oh god you just
1: yeah, yeah They just add real fast yeah um, it's just... too. i think you read people who like you can always tell when someone like is just not interested in changing um because again i think uh, like we can have a conversation and then like if you don't get it then i can like provide you some resources well here's another reason like here's some actual like academic research on this topic um and people be like no nope. I talked to some of my friends though, and they said it's like not a problem and I'm like okay you're not actually interested in changing Ugh.
0: yeah so then you just kind of have to move on yeah. yeah yeah they're like
2: well my my neighbor is Hispanic he thought the joke was funny it's like yeah oh my gosh that okay the worst yeah <laughs> that is actually the worst I get that so often like I
1: asked my so-and-so I asked my like my friend has a, this, literally someone told me this last week my friend has a black boyfriend and they said it was okay I'm like what?
2: like well. that's and <laughs> lucky for your friend to be married to the spokesperson for all black people for all black people right
1: <laughs> like okay yeah so uh it's interesting so sometimes things go and I think for me personally like um some things I don't even call out in terms of like like conversations that go really bad I most of the time I don't turn around and call them out because and it's for me it's not because I think it's wrong to call those pe- individuals out but like I have to like monitor my own mental energy. And like, is it really worth my mental energy? Probably not most of the time, unless it's like a really, like really problematic situation. It's not to say that I never would, but I'm always really cognizant of like, how is this serving like my own energy? And is it worth the, the investment? Or do I just say I did my best to try to talk to this person and now I'm just like gonna move on.
2: God, that has gotta be one of the hardest For I mean, if I were in your position, I feel like that would be the hardest thing for me or one of the hardest things for me would be picking my battles.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, And so that's something that I've been trying to navigate better lately. Um, And not even always just like, yes, it's hard to pick the battles, but also uh, like, for example, like I share a lot of things on my Instagram stories and I get a lot of responses. Um, And it's really like, I have to decide like how much I'm willing to invest in conversation sometimes. Um, because I posted a lot of things like the day after the election, for example, and I was getting mm-hmm. a lot of people resp- like after like the fifth response like this, I'm like, okay, I'm not actually going to address this anymore with people. Cause it was energy. It was draining me. But like one of the comments I was getting consistently, it's like, yeah, we just need to get more people of color to vote and then we could change things. And I'm like, mm, uh, no, that's
2: <laughs> like the, the, I d- d- not d- where it is because I people think you're are so- misunderstanding the problem. <laughs>
1: you're misunderstanding the problem. And so like, I went down this conversation with a lot of people and then I talked about voters yeah. and I had, like, a lot of education in the DM. And then I was like, okay, I have just spent like an hour and a half doing this. And I, it's not uh, actually productive for me anymore. Um, and I think, you know, if it's something that I really wanted to talk more about, it would have been better served for me just to do like, I don't know, like an Instagram live or something that like I can just point people to. Um, and so I just, I do have to be more conscious about like how I'm using my energy because again, like time and energy is a valuable resource.
2: (laughs) I feel like, you know, we even come across that just in, in our own minor ways of like, okay, at what point is it, have I like, okay, I've opened this conversation up. And so if people have honest questions then I want to be able to address them, but at the same time, Just because I brought this topic up doesn't mean that it's my responsibility to now go out and educate every single person out there about every, you know, thing that they're about every misconception around it. And we, you know, when we do post political things or, not even political things. Like sometimes we even just get this kind of, those kind of comments around like having negative opinions about certain diets or something. And someone will write us these long winded emails. So it's like, well, I hear what you, you know, well, not even I hear what you're saying. They'll start out like, well, I heard your episode about X, Y, Z. And here's why my situation is different. And it's like, okay, great. Your situation is different. Please feel free to go about your day. Mm-hmm. I don't have the energy to, and I think, but I think that that's so important to ask somebody um, like yourself who would does put a lot of thought and effort into talking about hard things. Like where do you draw the line to say, but it's not also your full-time job to then sit there and defend or, you know, try to provide never ending um, continuing education around those issues. Like at what point is it's like, listen, if you don't get this, then go do your own research, go, go learn. And then come back and we'll have a conversation. Yeah, that's really important.
1: And I think you brought up something that is really uh, something I struggle with sometimes is like the feeling that like, oh, I brought this conversation up though. So now I need to engage with people because I brought it up. And I and I think there's like, you know, a certain level, like if people, like if you do bring something up that yes, yes, you like open up the doors now, but, but you're right. There's a balance that like at a certain point, like you're not responsible for providing them all the education. And there's this wonderful thing called Google that provides so much information. Um, And I think that people are better served to go do some research. So then, like, maybe once you've done the research and now you still have some questions, like, then we're at a better place to actually have a conversation about it anyways than if we're just starting from, like, ground zero and I'm trying to, like, educate you and help you understand all these concepts at the same time.
2: Totally. Do you know the website? Let me Google that for you. Yeah, right? Right. (laughs) It like you send, send somebody a video of you typing it into Google. Oh, no, it, wait, this is an actual website. Yeah, it's, literally, actual it's a website. website. It's let me Google that for you. And it will like, if you type in like, I don't know, macro, you know, I don't know, type in anything. And what it does is it creates a video of just like Google coming up and you typing in the phrase and then like the Google Thank results coming up. It's genius. This is amazing. It's, Thank you. For it's sure. so passive aggressive.
0: It's <laughs> so passive <laughs> aggressive. And my I, husband does it to me I, all the time. I, <laughs> Mm. Oh
2: man,
1: I'm that down. I'm not joking. Like that is amazing. <laughs> it's
0: so great. I just remember the first time my husband sent me a link and I opened it and it was just like the Google ghost, like typing in what oh. I asked him, and I was like, Oh, I just got Googled. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
2: you guys for sharing this.
0: <laughs> it's gonna change yeah, your life.
2: Really gonna up your passive aggressive Instagram DM game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we I will say I think we have yet to actually send that to anybody on Instagram but it's really only a matter of time yeah it's only a
0: matter of time (laughs) (laughs) Me, that's for sure
2: so okay so just kind of wanting to to wrap up a little bit I'm I would love to know so you know most of our listeners are 25 to 45 mostly primarily white primarily kind of middle class upper middle class you know like we are definitely cater to the audience that you look around and say, is fitness just for these people? And, you know, I like to think that with bringing in different, like, you know, we we talk about like weightlifting and all these different things and that in a way has broadened the scope. It's not just like sorority girls on the elliptical anymore, Um, but it still is very monochromatic in a lot of ways. And I would love to know if you could say one thing to several thousand, mostly white women in fitness to help you know, with what you're doing or just kind of that moment of like, how is it that you're not seeing this? What would you want to say?
1: That's a big question. I think, um, I think, again, like what I always ask people to do is to like step out of themselves, right, which is can be hard, I guess, but look at things through someone else's eyes. um, And think of, think of a time when you felt uh, what you said earlier, like, when you were like in a situation that was, overtly sexist for example and like you know how that feels in that moment like put yourself in those shoes and realize that like other people that um are not white or are not cisgender or whatever though that's what they're experiencing on the regular like it's not a one-off instance it's like all the time in their bodies they're they're experiencing those same feelings and that same marginalization um and and then just recognize like what can you do in your daily life to make like even a small change. And I think it's so important to remember that like we can all create change, right? It doesn't have to be like some grandiose thing. Like you can talk to your friends and your family. Like I think it's a great place to start. You can correct people when you hear them say things that are inappropriate or bigoted. Like that's a great opportunity to start. And like we all have things that we can do in our daily lives that can, can make a difference and can create change. And we can do a part of the work without having to do some grandiose act.
0: Can I end with, I just love the blog post, five reasons why it's important to cultivate diverse and inclusive wellness spaces. And I just want to read this really brief paragraph. um, But I encourage obviously everyone to go to the website and read the full post is whether you realize it or not, cultivating a diverse and inclusive wellness industry is wildly important and a crucial component in creating multifaceted experiences. Aside from that, it provides so many benefits and allows us to broaden our perspective of the world.
1: It's amazing. Thank you. Um, And I think it's, yeah, like life, honestly, when we stop and think about it, like life would be so boring if if everything was the same. It'd be so boring. It'd be so boring. And I think about, um, you know, I, I grew up in a very like religious home um, and a lot of ways, like even a lot of ways my parents are like to this day, they're still uh, like homophobic and transphobic in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like I had to do a lot of unlearning about my own ideas around those things. But, but when you like meet other people and you realize that like, we're so much more alike than we are different and there's like so much beauty in our differences um, and, and, and we can learn so much from each other. Um, like we're missing out, like we do ourselves a disservice when we don't want to be or we don't or we're not in diverse spaces. And we miss out on learning opportunities, we learn our opportunities to grow, and to really uh, just have like really colorful, vibrant experiences.
2: I think that's great. And I also think it's great to hear, again, like we tend to assume that people who are more progressive in, you know, thinking about these kinds of things come from these very progressive backgrounds and like, oh, you've just always been aware of this your whole life. It's like, no, you have your own issues that you've had to unlearn and your own homegrown biases that come along with the territory, just like all of us do. And it's, that's not an excuse. It's just doesn't mean, well, you know, it's like your grandma who still uses racial slurs or whatever. It's like, oh, well, you know, that's just the way she was brought up. It's like, that's not an excuse anymore. That's the way that I was brought up can apply to all of us in different ways. And all of us need to get better about confronting that head on. My very final question is, so one of the first things we talked about was, okay, if you're scrolling social media and everyone on your feed looks exactly like you, change it up. So who are some of your favorite people to follow who are black, but then also who are transgender or who, you know, just any bring, help us bring some diversity into our feed. Who do you love? Okay. Awesome. I love that.
1: So, um, decolonizing fitness. Um is a great account um and talks about so many amazing things. Um so I definitely highly recommend that people follow decolonizing fitness.
0: And I think that's um, decolonizing underscore fitness, yeah.
1: Yes, correct. Yep, decolonizing underscore fitness. Um so a friend of mine, her Instagram handle is balanced less L E S like Leslie. She just started a great podcast podcast called Balanced Black Girl. Um, and it's an amazing podcast. She has lots of great speakers on it. Um, and it's relatively new, but it's a great content. Um, so definitely follow, follow her. Um, I'm just trying to think of all of my favorites. There's so many. We should probably just
0: go to your Instagram and then like see who you're following and like it's probably a bunch of cool people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um Fear Her Fight Athletics though is also great. It's my friend Maria. Um and it's a apparel company, but they're just doing really great work. So Fear Her Fight Athletics, definitely follow them. Um and another account that I love following, who is not a person of color, um, but they showcase lots of diversity and inclusive fitness and um just doing really amazing work in that arena is women's strength coalition um so recommend you follow follow them too um yeah and then just come to my instagram and see who see who all the people i'm following are um and follow along with lots of those people and your instagram is i
0: am chrissy king and then i
2: just i just went to and i unfollowed you so i actually follow you follow
0: (laughs) i am chrissy it's c-h-r-i-s-s-y-k-i-n-g
2: yes i got i got two trigger happy (laughs) awesome well thank you so so much and then um tell us everywhere people where people can find your blog and i don't know if you know what other social channels that you have
1: yes so my blog is just uh dot and i am most active on instagram and instagram is i am chrissy king Um, and then also same on Twitter Um, I'm not like as active on there but if you really wanted to see what's happening with me go to Instagram or go to my website.
0: Wonderful well thank you so much for this really great conversation I feel like it's um, something we've been wanting to do for a long time so we really appreciate you taking the time and addressing such important topics it's just it means a lot.
1: Oh well thank you I've had like a wonderful time chatting with the both of you so thank you so much for having me on Yes All right. well have a good night Chrissy Okay have a great night. Bye bye Bye